Welcome to Aging in Full Bloom with Lisa Stockdale, sponsored by Capital Healthcare Network, an Ohio-based, family-owned and operated company providing solutions that help seniors age on their own terms. Those solutions include home care, senior living, nursing home and rehab care, and hospice. Learn more at CapitalHealthCareNetwork.com. Good morning or afternoon or evening or whatever it is when you're listening. Welcome to this edition, this episode of Aging in Full Bloom. I'm your guest, Lisa Stockdale. I'm your host. I'm not your guest. But I have a guest on the line with me, Ellen, Ellen Ritberg. Did I say your last name correctly? You said it perfectly. Perfectly. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, Ellen is an author. You're also an attorney. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, and you have written a book that we're going to talk about called Why is Grandma Naked? Has it published yet? Yes, it published April, and the subtitle, which kind of clarifies any confusion, is Caring for Your Aging Parents. Yeah, let's throw that in there, right? (laughs) Um, Because the topic really is how to care for your aging parents. But more specifically, after reading the book, it's how to care for your aging parents with dementia. Yes, I would say that's that's, that's accurate. That's Mm -hmm. accurate and fair. So, um, you visited your mom and ended up staying for six years and acting as primary caregiver. Do I have that correct? Yes, you do. Tell us all about it. What was the purpose of the visit? Was it, did you think you were going to need to stay or were you surprised? Great question. I actually was at my mother's home temporarily. I had sold my own home. I was newly divorced and was planning on moving to New York City where I'd taken a job, had a long commute. And the night of the the launch of my first book, which is also a humorous how-to book, it was called 35 Things Your Teen Won't Tell You, So I Will, <laughs> as, um, as I was bringing mom home and as mom was walking up the stairs to her house, uh, she fell and broke her pelvis. Oh. And while she was in rehab, I was in the house and I just realized, you know, I couldn't leave mom by herself in that in that house and I say it was a large house but even if it was a small house it just means a larger house means more things break down because it was a large older house yeah but um I'd seen things about my mom that were not a hundred percent I would guess that she was very maybe in very mild you know maybe she she at that time had mild dementia if that and it was mostly physical um her her inability to judge and also her judgment issues about ambulating and and being careful and not climbing on Mm stepladders and mom didn't want me to leave so I uh, moved in and um, ended up staying six years I was working full-time so as time went on I had to hire different people um, depending upon what mom's needs were at the time you know in terms of her care so you're living with mom but working full-time and Mm -hmm. during those six years mom declines Yes. Not Mm -hmm. just physically. It was physical in the beginning, but as it goes on, it becomes more physical and mental. Yes, that's that that is accurate. And Mm -hmm. was mom ever um, diagnosed with dementia or a particular kind of dementia? Tell me about Uh, that. Okay, these are great questions. Um, I should add that although I give no legal advice in the book, my day job was I used to represent senior citizens 
in guardianship matters and also on different cases i was given um the job of writing a report for a judge or writing reports and recommendations as to whether somebody needed a guardian uh. or if they did need a guardian what were the parameters of the guardianship and yet I have to say, I was I was in denial about my mother's own condition. I'm smiling because I knew I'm like I know where this is going. So oh, you yeah. you thought you were an expert until it happened to you, right? Well, um, I never thought I was an expert because you know human nature being what it is, Lisa, and you're not wrong. But I'm saying a professional. We are, not, yeah. we are not objective about our own lives. That's right. So when it came to my own mom, all of the things I had learned, and I had gone to some seminars, and I knew certain things from these years of representing senior citizens and writing these reports. Mm-hmm. But I kind of left it at the doorstep of my house yes. once I became daughter. You know. <laughs> I, well, right. It's a different role for sure, and I. Yeah. Think of my own dear friend um, Debbie, who uh, used to work with me, and I would definitely consider her an expert. Um, but when it came to her own mother, mm, that was a different kind of journey. <laughs> yeah, as, um, in the Wizard of Oz, as the Wizard of Oz says, that's a horse of a different color. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you might know all the right things, but applying them to your yes. own situation. Um, And that's one of the reasons that we do the podcast, because we want to help people be in a position to actually not just know it or talk about it, but to hear stories of people who have actually done it and to understand that it's okay to be frustrated or angry or overwhelmed or disappointed or delighted or joyful or honored or whatever you are. And you could be all those things in one day (laughs) as a caregiver, and it's okay. It just means you're human and you're experiencing it, which is very different than reading, uh, you know, 10 tips For for caregivers. Whatever. For, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And also, I have an expression which um, made, motivated me to write this book in a humorous but helpful vein is, stress makes me stupid. <laughs> you know, seriously, yeah. I think the things you know just fly right out of your head. They're yeah. just not there. For sure. You know? And that, and, and to my point, that just makes us human. So I should add, it's, it's also okay to be stupid. <laughs> You know, that's a very affirming statement, and I love that because it's true. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be okay. So um, you you do have, um, it's sort of like, it's a manual almost. It's useful information um, based on your own experiences. And you start with be the alpha dog. What are you trying Mm -hmm. to tell us? Okay. When we are children of our aging parents, chances are we were not, bossing our parents around or telling our parents what to do for most of our most of our lives Mm -hmm. actually you know Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you know there are certain things that are as clear as the nose on your face like um your parent may have to go to the bathroom and they have to give themselves enough time to ambulate there and also that their (laughs) their plumbing their human plumbing has to comply as well Uh and yet um you know, that that's the kind of stuff where you really have to tell them in a very kind of strong way, 
you have to go to the bathroom. Let, let's go to the bathroom. It's time, you mm-hmm. know. And, and, you know, this is when in the, I, I have chapter, a very long chapter, which you've read the book, you know, and I hope funny chapter about incontinence because, you know, there are stages. And for as long as they can hold on to their continence, there are dignity issues and other things. But you've got to be really firm with them. And sometimes I wouldn't say you be mean to them, but you become the alpha dork. If you're mm-hmm. not in control, your parents are just going to refuse whatever you want them to do, even if you ask it when you say pretty please with sugar on top or whether you say, (laughs) mom, we have to do this, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're not going to comply unless you you become the alpha dog. And it's uncomfortable for all of us because as you say, we're changing roles. And Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say the older you are, the more uncomfortable it is because you were raised to be respectful and quiet (laughs) and compliant Mm -hmm. Um, and all of a sudden this person that you love and adore um, who has nurtured and cared for you needs you to love and adore them and nurture and care for them and part of that is being bossy when you have to be (laughs) so um, yeah you do talk about incontinence and that's a whole thing um, being sensitive about your parents' things, possessions. Yeah. Talk to me yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it is is somewhat common that for aging parents, the things that they have um, or the things that they've collected, if they're a hoarder or even if they're not a hoarder, uh, have emotional attach. They have emotional or attachment to those objects. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you also, if you're going through your parents' things you really have to respect that you know and i know that when i was going through my parents things i felt i found some really unusual things you find pictures of people they didn't end up marrying i say this in a humorous <laughs> thing like somebody there's a picture of my father and he looked way happier than he did when he was married to my mother <laughs> it oh, wasn't dear. a marriage made in heaven what can i say but uh-huh. you know you you see these mystery threads and things about their life and and you know Maybe there are postcards if they traveled and you really, but also the things that they have, even my mother's um, car. So I was in mom's car and when I drove, I'm taller than she is. I talk about this in my book, the, the shrinking parent that we don't realize is shrinking, especially if we live with them. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to, you know, move the seat back and then I wouldn't return it back to its original position. And that would infuriate mom. Mom would just get so mad. And it was her possession, her car. And they get used to their creature things. And there's certain things that are a certain way. And when you when you play around with them, you disturb them, you know, you deal with their wrath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be respectful of their stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I understand it can <laughs> create family dynamics. We'd rather not um, make our way through, um, <laughs> if you well know said. what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So you also um, have sort of threaded throughout the book is this idea of don't go it alone. Talk to me about that because oh, often what so we true. what we find out is it's the oldest uh, daughter um, mm. that ends up doing most of the work, and it's not fair if you're listening and you have siblings. Um, this ha- it should be a team effort, but even if you don't have siblings that you can rely on, you got to get some help. Am I right, Ellen? Oh, that that that's one. That is a wonderful piece of advice, Lisa. And I will tell you. Um, although I'm the middle child, 
my not asking my older sister for help, uh, especially in the beginning, was, you know, an error on my part. And my sister had retired fairly recently, and she had been a very successful salesperson who lugged around these heavy books and these heavy things. And I wanted her to enjoy her retirement. And I said, I'm just not going to ask my sister for things, which was a big mistake. <laughs> I mean, I was being a very, a very thoughtful sister, I thought, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just honoring my sister's years and years of hard work and schlepping these, you know, like I say, these valises or these, however she transported the things she brought to her clients. <laughs> a big mistake because you are going to get overwhelmed whether or not you're working full time or not. Mm-hmm. You are going to see that your parents' needs, and this is in very almost case, they're going to increase. And you can't, I say you can't do it all. And I also say in a not, I say it in a nice way, but you're not good at everything. You know, there's things that my, my younger sister and her significant other came and they built a ramp because mother had a raised ranch. And in order for her to get into her driveway, she was still driving then, you know, it was, it became too big a step for her to get down that one step. Mm-hmm. And so they had to build a ramp. I didn't. I didn't know how to build a ramp, did I? <laughs> I did not. Yeah. And you know that that was wonderful. They came over and they spent many hours doing it. You know, and I don't even know that I did ask. That you know, I think they did it on their own to their credit. But but you need to ask. And I also say, if you wait too long, um, and this isn't you know me. It's just in general human nature being what it is. Is family members are not going to have the comfort level of doing hands-on things if they haven't done it and you've done it and you've you you've made excuses and said oh it's more more trouble for me to explain it to them or whatever and, you know but through mm-hmm. time that just is not the case you know yes you're gonna yes. need the assist so you really are here's... and also it brings you closer together i know my older mm-hmm. sister particularly she was great for me to call and vent and vent to and also she's very sensible and and even though i'm the one that you know studied you know i'm a lawyer i have this logic part she came up with certain solutions maybe because she wasn't as close to the situation she wasn't that primary caregiver she came up with solutions i hadn't thought of or Mm -hmm. i could ask her opinion and she gave me valuable opinions you know two great points one thing i always say is you can do anything but not everything (laughs) Uh, that's that's a good way of putting it right yes and and then but to your point we really probably can't do anything (laughs) we probably can't all build ramps and put on additions and and um you know make the house safe and all this other stuff so we have to ask for help um, and then the other thing, and this is interesting, I've never heard, in all the interviews I've done, I've never heard anyone bring this point up, but it's so valid. Amongst your own siblings and your sphere of influence that come together to help you with this daunting uh, journey is an opportunity for closeness. Oh, say I, I say amen to that. I really do think it does draw you closer together. I mean, when I was, I felt at the breaking point, I really did need my older sister to vent to vent to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it just the, the venting to because she wasn't doing the hands on things and she was always a willing ear and it did draw us closer. I mean, I'm close to her anyway, but I, we became closer, you know. Yes, yes. But please, please, please don't because we know that caregivers themselves can get 
overwhelmed to the point where they get sicker than the people that they're caring for um, when they don't get some help. And, you know, there is this, I mean, it's just on one level, just emotionally exhausting. And then it's physically exhausting. It is. And then you're just exhausted. Yeah, no, I mean, while, while, you know, while I was, care, you know, a caregiver for my mother, I had a hip replacement. And at that point, mm. I enlisted other people to help with mom. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I physically couldn't do many things at the very beginning, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And it also, so if we have, um, we, we're called adult children, if we have aging parents and we're blessed to have them with us, it also means we're getting a little older ourselves. Oh, so we, right. I don't like to call myself old at all, or even. Well, I'll I'll I'll, I'll concede that I'm older, but older, you're so right. Older. Especially if you're a baby boomer, it's yeah. so you know we're we're lodged in this. I'm I'm uh, I'm an 18 year old in my in my mind in terms of how I view my physical plant, and it's so not true, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes your body reminds you that that ain't that ain't it, girl. It's something different. Exactly. So you exactly. also have give your parents their due, and you have in parentheses their freak factor. What's a freak factor? Okay, the freak factor is they whatever your parent was pre-dementia or just pre as they become older and Mm. more frail they just change in ways and often it's characterological in my mother's case i used to say my mother was one of the quietest people she was very very quiet and as a matter of fact she had a good sense of humor because she spoke of my father she said i called him voiceover because he was my (laughs) i didn't have to talk he always talked for me oh my gosh (laughs) So I think in her older, these later years, you know, mom started to just say what was on her mind. And sometimes, really, she just would have never said, so I'll get, shall I give you one example? Yes, shall I'd I? love to hear okay. it. Yeah, I used to lecture on cruise ships. And I went on one very upscale cruise ship. And we were, um, there was a woman and her husband who... They were just straight out of, you know, Thurston, whatever his name is, on Gilligan's Island. They were <laughs> okay. just like that stereotype. The millionaires. And the whole nine yards. Uh-huh. And apparently they must have thought I was the hired help, even though I was a guest lecturer. So the wife had asked me to um, to carry her bags. And I, I told her <laughs> I, I didn't. I don't carry bags. I, I couldn't carry bags anyway. But um, but that's not mom. At that point, mom didn't say anything. But when we got on um, a bus to go to a um, to go to another bus to on a tour, um, mom asked the guy to um are you there, by the way? Yes, you are. Yeah. Then mom asked the guy if he could move because it was sunny. And he was sitting across the aisle from her, and she didn't like to get sun on herself. Okay. And when he refused her, mom said, oh, uh, you must have had a fight with your wife, and that's why you don't want to sit near her. Because his wife was sitting closer to my mom than he was sitting to her. And that was something my mother would have never said. Never, uh, ever, ever. She was kind of stirring the pot a little. <laughs> she sure was. She was being outrageous. And I just thought to myself, Mom, you yeah. know. <laughs> or they strip in front of a window. You know, that's that's where I got the title for my book. Mom one day stood up and, and people who have parents who have gone through dementia know this. They like taking off their clothes. 
you know, they not do. all of them, but and when they do it, they don't give you any advance warning. And we lived, in, we lived in a, on a very major street with a big picture window, and you know, I yeah, just closed the curtains. Mom, I said, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it takes a while to you adjust to the new parent, you know, the new you, the new parent, the new you know? normal. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I remember a friend telling a story. Her mom was an accountant, and she was. It seemed to be that the accountant stuff was the only stuff left, and she was very good at it still, even in mid-stage dementia. But mm. they had to give it up. People would come to her home um, and have them do her taxes. And when she started showing up for those appointments with no clothes on, <laughs> he knew it was time. Oh, no, 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 no. It was time, <laughs> yeah. it was time to shut down the accounting business. Mm. Of course, we're laughing about it because you have to find humor in it. But there's also a very um, sad, disturbing element in all of this. Absolutely. Um, not just Absolutely. for us as adult children or people who care and love um for an elder with dementia, but for the elder as well. Um, how did your mom handle it? Was she moody, mm-hmm. unhappy, happy? What, all those things? Okay. What, what uh, was it for that's mom? A, that's a really good question. Um, mom, mom had been a very solitary, as I say, a quiet, shy, solitary person. She never joined any groups. But I realized that once mom was no longer driving, and her cognitive abilities were declining somewhat, um, she needed other people. Mm-hmm. I felt that that was gonna be a good thing. So I signed her up for two different senior programs, one of which didn't work because at the time, she wouldn't have agreed to go in a wheelchair and it, it just was too long a corridor. So that one came out, that fell out pretty fast. But the other program, uh, God bless them, they were wonderful. Uh, if, they're lis- if they're listening, the Glencoe Senior Citizen Program on Long Island were terrific. They first came over, they did like an intake, they first met with me, mm-hmm. you know, I was a primary caregiver, and then they came over to the house, they did an assessment to see the house was safe, thank God they said the house was safe, you know, I, you know, they checked to see there were no um, area rugs that mom could trip on or other, you know, or hazards in the house. And um, she was perfect for this program. It was for frail elderly people. And they had all kinds of activities. And this very shy lady, my mother, ended up putting on a fright wig for, for Halloween. And she did all kinds of arts and crafts projects, which she'd never done her entire adult life oh, and loved sweet. it. Yes. And you were instrumental in keeping her social. You know, and I would suggest that to people who ha- who may not think about it because they're so busy. A lot of a lot of, especially if you are working, you're going to be orchestrating your parents' life, and why not why not make it a symphony, you know, yeah. <laughs> or or a chamber music or something other than yourself or the person that might be standing in your shoes during the day as a caregiver for yeah. them while you're at work, right? Or even yeah. if you're there all the time, you know. <laughs> I, I I certainly even if I wasn't working, I'm not a barrel of monkeys all the time for my mom. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah, you're not up to it. And you know, here's another thing, and this I, this just occurred to me. So I'm thinking out loud. You tell me if you agree or disagree. But when we're younger, um, and when I say younger, I mean like 75 or younger. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And we, it's easy for us to identify the purpose in our lives. It's okay to be alone and be solitary if that's what you want. 
But when you start losing the ability to identify purpose, I think it becomes even more important um, to be around other human beings and to have socialization and to stay connected. What a wonderful, what a wonderful and uh, and deep thought that is, Lisa. To your credit, it's just so well said. You know, yeah, that's true because people people also need to feel needed, and if yes. they're in a group and they're contributing, whether it's talking about current events mm-hmm. or or making an an object. I know my mother made a spoon holder for um, her her granddaughter. You know, and you know you're doing something for somebody else that gives them a good feeling. You know, right, right. All right, I'm going to ask you one more, and then I'm going to ask us to wrap it up because there's so much of this. you got to get this book, folks. Why is Grandma Naked? Caring for your aging parent, especially if you are an adult child and your parent was recently diagnosed with dementia. I would urge you to read this. It says, shopping may be a picnic, in parentheses, from hell. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Tell me all about it. Oh, sure. Well, again, you asked a good question. And I approach this, you, I approach this and the entire book, I chose to write in a humorous vein because of the stress and the aggravations that you're going to experience. Sure, it's and, a coping mechanism. You know, they're not the same person and their reactions are not the same. However, if they were stubborn, <laughs> chances are they're going to be more stubborn <laughs> through time. So I had a mom had to get a, a dress for my daughter's wedding. And we were one week in and mom had not yet picked out a dress. I took her and we tried dress. We went to the largest place in New York City. Lord and Taylor's <laughs> had this huge dress, you know, this uh-huh. huge assortment of dresses. And finally, she found this dress that was just so adorable. Uh, she, um, it had champagne, it was champagne colored and it had these tears. And she always had her hair done. So she looked very, you know, beautiful Elegant, in that dress yes. for a woman of any age. Uh-huh. And everybody oohed and odd. And mom didn't want to want to get the dress. And I said, Mom, I'm paying for it. You're getting the dress. And she just dug her heels in and said she wouldn't. Well, I'm not one that's prone to using four-letter words, but I think at some point (laughs) I actually almost cried. Maybe (laughs) I did probably let fly a four-letter word. Crying and cussing. Sometimes they go together. Just out of frustration in the the dressing room. I think we were the only ones there, so I'm not as mortified as I would have otherwise. And finally, she saw how aggravated I was. She said, okay, fine, I'll get the dress. dress." Yeah. And, and, you know, mom in an earlier, in an earlier version of mom, you know, pre-dementia or pre- whatever decline she was experiencing, she would not have just refused with such adamancy for just absolutely no reason. You know, she had very good taste. She would have recognized that dress was Mm-hmm. absolutely perfect you know <laughs> right you know and so they do they will take positions and they you know there is this this thing that uh, that occurs and you know they're not in charge of everything and and being in control and making and they're feeling that they're in control is very important to them so there is an area that's an illogical part of their brains that just kind of kicks in yeah. you know and you have to deal with it And I guess um, one thing I'll just throw in there, we have to learn not to take it personal, especially if your parent is suffering from dementia. It's not personal. It feels personal. We might cry and cuss (laughs) in the moment. And you you can sometimes forget because especially if they're not, you know, what the stage of dementia, you know, dementia is, you know, it, 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 climbs on and, and gets worse through time so you yes. the beginning part of, you may forget you mm-hmm. know you may forget that they've changed 
You will, or they've got these judgment issues or these different character issues that are at play. You what know? you see is your parent, not the disease. Um, oh, yes, and so take, true. Take that as long as you can. Is because oh, when, that's great. That's wise words, Lisa. Right. When all you wise can see words. is the disease, that's that's a whole. That's a horse of a different color, as you said yeah. earlier. <laughs> Closing thoughts, Ellen. Um, let me just say. Audience, please buy the book. You're going to love it. Even if you don't need it, you might. You're going to find somebody who does need it. And it is humorous and funny, even though this is all serious stuff. What do you want to leave us with, Ellen? I'd, I'd leave the readers with this. Um, I've been there. Uh, blessed in that I can write funny. And there were no books that were written in, in a humorous, self-help vein, if you will. There's mm-hmm. no books like this out there. I sure would have liked my own book because there are laugh out loud, there were laugh out loud pages in it and there are smile pages in it because I want the reader to feel good about mm-hmm. what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and you know, and if you're lucky, you feel honored that you're doing this job. But sometimes you forget about you don't even realize about the honor part and the good you're doing and you're doing the right thing. You're just stressed. And yeah. so I want I want to make them laugh. And if some of the things, some of my chapters or all of the chapters help them or, you know, with things I did, if they find them useful to them in some way, even if they don't do them and help lighten their load, then I feel I've succeeded to write. Why is grandma naked caring for your aging parent in a, in a way that has, you know, in a way benefited them? And, and that's a really good thing I can say. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. Thank you for being our guest today. Lisa, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And, and your insights are, are really appreciated, too. Um, you're so helpful to people and people need help. People and they need, need that we inspiration need, we and, need and, each they, other. and need yeah. your perception. So keep on keeping on. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you learned a little something along the way. Till next time, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be forever at your back.